come on. I know, we're, we're totally spread out this morning. It's sort of freaky. Hey, Austin, how are you doing way over there? Great, yeah. Everybody all right? Everybody, did, did everybody enjoy low-volume worship this morning? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I'll be glad when we go back to 105 decibels, I'll be honest, you know. Um, last Saturday night, we had John Mark here for a, for a worship event, and... Um, I think we pushed the sound system harder than we've ever pushed it. it, it we, were, we were blowing circuits in the back. It was great. We're, we're looking to fix that problem so that we can go, we can push it harder without blowing stuff up on Sunday morning. Um, speaking of worship, I um, want to do something special this morning. Uh, if we've got the ushers, can grab the baskets at the back. We want to take a real quick offering here. Ushers, wherever the people who ush are. <clears throat> yeah, um, for the last couple of weeks I've let you guys know that uh, we're going to take up the offering, the, our special offering of the month this week. We're going we're gonna to bless our worship team. Is everybody like consistently blessed by the worship here at the Vineyard? Yeah, and, and one of the things that we want to do is we want to, uh, we want to just signal to the worship uh, band and the people who, who give of their time so much at the vineyard, we just want to signal to them that they're, that they're important and that we want to honor them. And so we just want to take up a, a special offering this morning. You guys can go ahead and just take that up. Hopefully you guys came prepared to give. And uh, we want to just sow into that. You know, it can't just be a banner that we have over there. It, ha- it can't, you know, radical generosity just can't be a banner around here. It has to be something that we live. So you can make your checks out. Just add another zero. Jesus won't care. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, man, I think, I, think, I think we actually had the best one we've ever, that I've ever had. Um, um, yeah, thanks, Heather. Uh, the food was off the charts. I don't even know where to put it. It was, it was so really good. And uh, the best thing for me was that I, I, didn't have to, uh, I didn't have to leave home all day long. I mean, some of you all have those days really often. I was, I was tell, telling Heather, I don't think I've had a day where I did not leave the house in over two years. Which is on my own fault. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like I'm that important or anything. I just do stuff. And so, I, you know, I, I was home all day long. I don't think I left the house. It was fantastic. Couldn't be better. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, why don't we open up our scriptures this morning? Well, if you've got your Bible, and I hope you do, uh, open up to Matthew chapter 6. You're going to need your Bible this morning because I've been a bad pastor, okay? Is there forgiveness in the house this morning? Yeah, there, I've been a bad pastor. I didn't prepare any, any keynote presentation this morning. Because Andrew Ward and I, we went and stayed up super late last night. We went to the Kentucky ball game. And, oh it's awful, you all. I mean, the worst part is I went with Andrew, which is the best and worst part. It's the best part because it's Andrew, and he's one of the best people you ever know. It's the worst part because he's a Tennessee fan. <laughs> Andrew is really sweet, though. On the way home, he said, you know, Adam, you realize that the last time that Kentucky beat Tennessee... You realize that uh, Ronald Reagan was president and Michael Jackson had his original face. That's all he said. Yeah, it, was, it was a thoroughly disappointing night. So, um, the Lord's helping me, though. It's a part of my heart that needs healing. just needs the touch of God on it. <clears throat> but he's helping me. Yeah, so I didn't have, I didn't prepare any keynote presentation, so you have to read your actual Bible. Dang. It's actually good, because it's good for your eyes, your own eyes to see in your own Bible where this stuff is, you know? But I'll read it to you. <clears throat> we are in the, uh, we're in the middle of a series here at the Vineyard called The Good Life. This is actually week number five. And one of the things that we've been discussing for the past five weeks, and one of the things we're going to continue to discuss, is the fact that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, uh, is the best thing for you. And, to, and so to submit to Jesus' rule as the king of the kingdom is to submit yourself to the best possible kind of life. See, a lot of times people come to Jesus and they respond to the message. And the, re- the message they respond to is, 
You know, you need Jesus for two main reasons. Number one, you need your sins forgiven. And number two, you don't want to go to hell when you die. Both of those are true. Both of those I want to take advantage of. But one of the things that happens is we, we so confine the gospel message to the message of forgiveness of sins and don't go to hell when you die. We so confine the gospel message to that context that we miss the larger context of the gospel. And the larger context of the gospel is that it's actually the best way to live for you now. Jesus said this, and we've been referring to it, and I'm going to keep referring to it because it's just such a, it's sort of the the focal point that we're going to jump off of. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, look, the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and they may have it to the full. You know, he's saying, I I came that they may have abundant life. And so when Jesus was saying, I came that they may have abundant life, he's talking about the best kind of life, and he's talking about today. You know, a lot of us grow up in Kentucky, a lot of us grow up in the South, a lot of us grow up hearing this, this, what I would consider to be an accurate but overly narrow gospel message, the gospel message of forgiveness of sin, don't go to hell when you die. So a lot of us grow up with that message, and when we grow up with that message, we miss, we miss the powerful truth that Jesus came to bring life now. See, here's the deal. A lot of people read John chapter 10 and they assume that Jesus and the abundant life that he's talking about, they assume that the abundant life is simply getting your sins forgiven, living like hell for like maybe 75 years if you're lucky and you don't get cancer, and then you die and then you don't go to hell. And then there's, you know, then once you die and you don't go to hell, then you can experience abundant life in his presence. I've got news for you. He came and set up residence in your body. He lives in your spirit and he wants to, he wants to let release abundant life in you right now. And so in John chapter 10, verse 10, when he said, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. He's not talking about the future per se. He's talking about today. I mean, how many of y'all know that hell isn't a place that happens when you die? It could be like next Tuesday. Like heaven and hell are today. And so one of the things that we've been discussing for the last four or five weeks is that, is that the kingdom of heaven and Jesus' rule as the king of heaven and my submission as his son and as his disciple is the best kind of life. We've been calling it the good life. You want to live the good life? There's only one possible way to live the really, truly good life. And that's to, that's to come into the kingdom, submit yourself to Jesus, and say, Father, I am yours, holy. Everything in my life, everything, every, all my thoughts, all my, all my motivations, everything I have, it's just, it just belongs to you. Jesus, just guide and direct me. When you begin to take that heart posture, and when you begin to move out of simply the gospel of salvation, and you move into the gospel of submission, you move into the good life. Because here's the deal. The world, the world defines the good life in, in a lot of ways that run counter to the currents of the kingdom. And we've talked about this, but we've got some new faces in the house, so I want to review just a little bit. See, a lot of times culture, the, the cultural currents define the good life as having a sexy mate, getting a brick home in an attractive neighborhood, installing a big boat in your garage, and then after you've installed the boat, you get another boat, which is a bigger boat, of course. And then after you get the bigger boat, you get the bigger, bigger boat. And so in terms of living the good life, the cultural currents tell us that in order to live the good life, you have to live a life of, of acquisition, to absorb and to acquire as much as we can. And here's the really good news, and one of the things that we found out in the first week is that living the good life, the good life is available to you in any life circumstance. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus said, blessed are the spiritually bankrupt. He said, blessed are those who mourn. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He said, blessed are the persecuted. See, what he's actually getting at is, it doesn't matter what your life condition is, you can live the good life right now. You can be a person who is spiritually bankrupt. You can be a person who has the streak of disappointment and mourning kind of imprinted on your life. You can be a person who's, who's, who's suffered significant and, and terrible disappointments and hurts and pains. And you can actually have a, 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 just a sense of mourning in your life. You can be a kind of person who, who genuinely hungers and thirsts for righteousness, who genuinely hungers and thirsts for the good things, uh, for the good things and for God's, uh, for God's right ways to be established in the earth. You can be in any of those places and experience the good life. So what I'd like to tell you is this, that it's really, it's really good news. Number one, the good news is this, that you don't necessarily have to be the person who has a sexy mate and a brick home in an attractive neighborhood to live the good life. 
That's good news. It should be. At the same time, if you do have a sexy mate and you have a home in an attractive neighborhood, you can still live the good life. last couple weeks we talked about two sections and two sections in Matthew chapter 5 we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today but we talked about two sections in Matthew chapter 5 and I just want to point a couple things out about the rest of the rest of the of the chapter uh, Matthew chapter 5 there we talked about uh, Jesus really started setting in on talking about the good life when he started talking about dealing with dealing with anger and then he then the next thing he talked about was dealing with lust of the heart and and I, and I told you guys this early on I believe it's no accident that there, it's no accident that Jesus begins his his discussion on how to live the good life. And by the way, that's what Matthew chapter five, six, and seven is. It's Jesus's, it's his thoughtful and careful instruction on how to live the good life. The Sermon on the Mount. That's how to live the good life. And so it's no it's no it's no accident that Jesus begins his discussion with how to live the good life by first dealing with anger in the heart, and then secondly dealing with with uh, lust in the heart. I mean, are, are, two, are any two issues more culturally relevant to us today than anger and lust? I mean, I don't think they are. And then here's what I want you to notice, even though we're not going to really talk about it today. I want you to notice this in the scripture. Look, what's the next section that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5? Divorce. How, how many of you all realize that most of divorce is because one or both partners never got their anger and lust issues under control? You ever notice that? Starting to make crazy clarity, and there's a lot of clarity in it. And so Jesus goes on then to talk about oaths and, you know, just being the kind of person who doesn't manipulate people with words. And then he ends up with, you know, talking about love for your enemies in Matthew chapter 5. How many of you realize that you're not going to be the kind of person who is even capable of loving their enemies until you first deal with what? The anger in the heart. And so it's this continual. I mean, we could, I would love to just take, I don't know, six months and just break down each section. But we just, you know, we feel, I feel like we need to move on a little bit, but... Realize that, that even the order that Jesus is talking about here, Jesus is the best teacher that ever lived. And so even his order is on purpose, and there's something to be grabbed for, for us. All right, Matthew chapter 6. This is where we're going to be today. <clears throat> I'm going to read the first 18 verses, okay? And hopefully you'll read along with me, because I don't read real well. Because I'm not real smart. And here's what I want you to do um, while I'm reading, Okay? We're going to read the first 18 verses of Matthew in chapter 6. And I want you to look for the thread that's woven in, in every little section that we're going to read here, okay? There's a theme and there's a thread, and I want you to try to pick up on it, all right? Chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father already knows what you need before you ask them. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. 
I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Anybody here catch on to a theme that Jesus is trying to talk about? What's the theme that he's talking about? What's that? Subtlety, secrecy. Good word. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the secret life, okay? Before we do that, why don't we pray just for a second? Because the challenge with all of these scriptures that we're looking at is that they're so familiar and we're just sure that we know what it's all about. Is that all right? Father, we need your help this morning. God, we need your help because we have stained glass hearts. God, we need your help because we have, uh, we have stained glass hearts that are just sure that we know what you're, what you're getting at. God, we have, we have hearts that for the most part are sure that we have this stuff down. And, um, and, and Father, we, we, we need your Holy Spirit to just rest on us and show us in plain view how much we need to hear your instruction to us this morning. Father, would you deliver me from the temptation to believe that this, this message or this word this morning is about someone else? And God, would you afford me the grace to realize that it might be about me? Thanks, Lord. Amen. Amen. First thing I want to say is this, that, um, <clears throat> that in these 18 verses, Jesus begins, he, talks, he begins talk, by talking about prayer. Uh, actually, he begins talking about giving, then prayer, and then forgiveness and fasting. And here's the deal. We could, we could take each of those sections and we could spend a whole Sunday. The truth of the matter is we could, we could take each of those sections and we could spend like four Sundays on any one of those sections because the, the degree to which Jesus is teaching, the degree to which his teaching goes deep is unbelievable. We could unpack them. But that's not really what we're going to do this morning. We're going to, we're going to pick up that, that little thread that runs all the way through this teaching and I, I, I want to give us maybe a, a bit more of a bigger or macro view of what I feel like the Lord's saying. And I feel like it's especially um, a current word for us. And it's that um, um, what the Lord is trying to get to this morning in this scripture, for us, I feel like is this. I feel like he's, he's asking us, Vineyard, I feel like he's saying this. I feel like he's, he's saying, what is your heart's motivation? That's really what he's getting at here. He's getting at what is your heart's motivation? So I just want you to keep that in mind this morning. We're going to be looking at a couple things, and we're going to be holding some things in our heart. And the, and the whole time, I just want you to keep in your heart and your mind, what is my heart's motivation? What is my heart's motivation? Look at, uh, look at verse 1. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus says this. He says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And how many of us realize that when Jesus says, be careful, you might want to be careful? I, I've read the book. He hardly ever says, be careful. If the Lord says be careful of something, it's like a huge trap. Jesus is trying to point out a huge trap to us right here. And that's the reason he says be careful. And I want to ask you this. What, is it, what in the world is he highlighting here in verse 1? It's a trap. What's he highlighting? He's highlighting the heart motivation that is to be seen by men. There's a, there's a heart motivation, and it's, and it's not in some people, it's in all people, okay? That's the first word we need to hear this morning. This heart motivation to be seen by men, this heart motivation to be thought of well by others, it, it's, it's a motivation that exists in all people. Say all people. All people. That includes me, okay? That includes you. And when Jesus says, be careful, I mean, I'm telling you right now, we need to be careful because it's a trap. Here's the deal. This is the way current culture, the, the currents of culture flow right now. The currents of cult, culture flow in this direction. The currents of culture flow in the direction of how can I amass notoriety? How can I amass a good name among everybody around me? How can I look good in front of everybody? That's, that's what the, 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 the currents of, of culture, that's the way they flow right now. Not only that, but there's also this. We've become such a, a, a media-obsessed society that there's, uh, and this is, this is 
true for, I'm going to tell you, pretty much everyone in the room, we don't just want notoriety and we don't want just a good name with, with people around us, but there's a secret part of everyone's heart that wants fame, that actually wants to be known, and not just like locally, but wants to be known regionally or nationally. You know that? It exists. It exists. And part of that, and let me tell you this too, I want to I just balance this out. Part of, that is, part of that is because there's the spark of God in your life, and there's something about people that want to do great things, okay? Anybody, does anybody here want to do great things? See, I want to do, see, that's, that's the God side of it. I want to do great things. The, the part that Jesus is trying to highlight and tip off to us, the part that's a trap, is to be seen by men and to be noticed. Um, you know, everybody wants to be known by something. And, and when I think about that, I was thinking about how everybody wants to be known for something. And I got to thinking about Michael Scott. You guys watch The Office? What, what is the one thing that Michael Scott wants to be known for more than anything else? He wants to be known as funny, doesn't he? I mean, he will, he will do anything to be known as funny. And the more he tries to be known as funny, the less funny he is to everyone in the office and the more that everyone hates him. I'm not saying that that's the math problem. I'm just saying that's a possibility. Yeah, we live in a world where it's vitally important to be seen, to be known, to be popular, so that we can get credit and lay claim to our market share. See, here's the deal. To be seen is to have power. Have you ever wondered this? Have you ever wondered why a candidate will go out and spend, go out and spend millions of dollars, sometimes millions of their own dollars, to acquire an office that only pays $100,000 a year? Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever go, I don't get it. Why? You know, I don't get it. Like um, the, the mayor of New York City, Michael Bloomberg, this guy's crazy. He, he, he's a billionaire, and he, I don't know, Joe probably knows. He spent... He spent Untold, billion, untold millions of dollars in the last election to become the mayor of New York City, which pays him essentially chump change. You ever wonder why somebody would do that? Because to be seen is to have power. The people who, the people who are seen are the people with power. Yeah, to be seen or to be known is to have power, and to have power is to have possibilities. And I want to tell you, that's the world. But here's the deal. Look back at chapter 6, verse 1. Because Jesus actually isn't talking to the world. This is, this is where it gets even more serious. Who is it that Jesus is talking to here? He's talking to us. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. That's verse 1. Look at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. And when you fast, verse 16, do not look somber somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show men their fasting. See, Jesus is highlighting a trap, and it's not just a trap for those who seek the world's eye. It's, It's even a trap for those who give. It's a trap for those who pray. It's a trap for those who try to forgive, and it's a trap for those who fast. Say, what's the deal? Here's the deal. How many of you all have ever realized this? That there's a certain kind of notoriety that can be acquired in religious circles for doing religious type of things. You ever notice that? How many of you, I don't know if you've ever realized this, but you can actually become famous in the church for giving. You can become famous in the church for praying. You can become famous in the church for fasting. You can... You, any, any sorts of these religious activities, and I don't even think Jesus was, was highlighting a conclusive list. I think he's just kind of riffing, kind of like Sam would be on his electric guitar. I think he's just riffing here a little bit, and I think he's highlighting a, a, the beginning possible list of ways in which that even religious activity can bring to you notoriety, and the notoriety that can bring to you can be a trap. It works like this. It can be a trap because giving and prayer and fasting can all lead to a certain kind of notoriety in church circles. Not only that, but at a certain level, these can even get you noticed in the world. Have you noticed that there's even some people whose notoriety for giving or for prayer or for fasting or for good things, we'll put it that way, have you ever noticed that people's notoriety in the church sometimes breaks out of the church and gets into the world? 
You know, there's certain people. Um, one person that comes to mind is maybe like a Rick Warren. Probably everybody in the world, everybody in the room has probably heard of Rick Warren, right? He's got the huge church in, in Southern California. They have an incredible ministry. I mean, they're, they're awesome. And Rick Warren's a hundred times better leader than I'll ever be. He knows more about how to lead the church than probably I'll ever know. But have you ever noticed that, that because Rick Warren, uh, Rick Warren really got a word from the Lord, he wrote that, word, that book, A Purpose Driven Life, and where did it go? It went to the, the, to the New York Times number one bestseller for like, what, years? I don't know, years? Not only that, but who was, who was, who was praying at President Obama's inauguration? Rick Warren. See, here's the deal. Jesus is trying to highlight a trap. He's saying, he's saying you've got to, we've got to watch over our heart because not only, not only does our desire to be seen by men, not only can that be a trap for us, but it, it, it's, you're not even safe with that desire in your heart in the church because even, even, even what you do, even prayer, fasting, giving, any of, these, any of these activities in a heart that's looking to be seen by men can be seen and it can end up being a trap for you. And the worst possible scenario would be for that trap to get you outside of church and get you into a place where you have the, in, in, the world's eye on you and you still have a ruined heart. See, here's the way it works. <clears throat> it's a trap because giving, prayer, and fasting can lead to notoriety. And then, and this is the way it always works, Giving, prayer, and fasting, can, they can lead to notoriety. And then after they lead to notoriety, in an ever so subtle way, a person begins to embrace being seen. And once you embrace being seen, the giving, the prayer, the fasting become a tool to be seen. See, you start off, you're, you're just wanting to connect with the Lord. Next thing you know, you're... you're you become a person who's generous. You become a person who, who lives, uh, lives with some sort of fasting in their life. You become a person who tries to press into prayer. These activities give you some breakthrough. The breakthrough gives you notoriety. The notoriety causes something to come up into you. It's, it's that desire that's in every person to be known, to be seen, to be approved, and to be affirmed. That affirmation causes a subtle deterioration on my heart. And I begin to use the prayer, the fasting, and the giving to be seen again. And that is a trap. This is what Jesus says. We'll look at, um, <clears throat> we'll look at verse 2 in chapter 6. He says, so when you, and he's talking about giving, giving here. He says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. And that word hypocrites there, do you guys know what that word means? That word hypocrites actually means actors. In the Greek, the picture that Jesus is painting with that word is actors. And what do actors do? They get on the stage and they perform, right? They perform. They're up, they're performing. And so this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, uh, he's saying this. Don't, don't be the kind of person who, who's performing giving so that they can get notoriety. That's what he's saying. Don't, don't be a performance-based person who uses giving or any other spiritual discipline to acquire notoriety. See, what can happen is our prayer life and our giving life can become an act so that we can be seen. To everybody, to everybody who's in the room, to everybody in the room, we look like Mother Teresa, but the Lord looks down from heaven and he says, ah, it's Brad Pitt. It's got a pretty good show going. Like three people got it. Look at back at verse one. Is this a serious word? And I, I, the Lord wants to deal with this and this stuff in our heart. Verse one. If you, if you do your acts of righteousness before men, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Everybody, if you've got a pen this morning, you should underline that word, no reward. How many of you think that Jesus was joking when he said no reward? I don't think he was joking. I think he actually meant it. Here's the deal. This is the way it goes. 
if we become the kind of people who haven't checked our heart motivations and we become the kind of people who are giving who are who are giving ourselves to prayer and who are giving ourselves to even fasting if we become the kind of person who gives ourselves to those activities so that we can be seen Jesus says no reward from me he says you get your reward in full to be seen if that's what you're looking for there's your reward you get it and here's here's what the Lord does the Almighty actually pays us the ultimate compliment of taking us seriously and at our word and he does this he just takes a step back he says if you want to be seen if, if you want to give if you want to pray so that you can be seen I'm gonna pay you the ultimate compliment of taking you seriously I'm gonna take a huge step back you can be seen and you can, get, you, can be, you can have some notoriety. That will become re- your reward. You will have no reward from me because you weren't looking for me from the beginning. <clears throat> How many of us want to be taken seriously by the Lord like that? Not me. How many of us are ready to talk about the solution? Yeah, let's talk about the solution. In each each little vignette that Jesus talks about here at the beginning of chapter 6, in each vignette with giving, with prayer, and with fasting, with each little section, Jesus says the solution is what? Do it in secret. Do it in secret. And I want to say a couple things here. Uh, one of the first things I want to say is this, is that secrecy is the filter for my motivations, okay? Secrecy is the filter for my motivations. You might even want to write that in your Bible. Secrecy is the filter for my motivations. You see, here's the deal. In secrecy, I'm free to live in the sight of my Father's approval. In secrecy, I'm free to live in the sight of my Father's approval. See, here's the deal. When I, when, I, when I turn my heart to giving, when I hurt, turn my heart to prayer or to fasting, and when I, when I take a component of that and I make it a secret and I put it in the hidden place where only God and I know, then the only reward I could possibly get comes from Him, and it's because my heart has become the kind of heart that's looking for my Father's approval alone. And so in that way, secrecy becomes the filter for my motivations. Here's the other thing I want to say about this as well. Jesus isn't making a new law. People are so religious, in case you haven't figured this out yet. But Jesus isn't making a new law. Jesus isn't saying that when you pray, when you give, and when you fast, do it in secret and do it in secret only. That's silliness. That's not what he's saying. Uh, I'll read to you a little scripture out of chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 14. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. How can someone live their life in such a way that people see their good deeds and the Father gets praise in heaven if what he meant was do everything in secret? See, people can be so religious. But what he is saying, he's saying... Gosh, if you want to be my disciple, you need to take some of your prayer time, you need to take some of your giving, you need to take some of your fasting, and you need to make it wholly mine. You need to take it, and you need to set it out, and you need to put it into a hidden and a secret place where no one ever knows about it. And when you do that, you keep your heart in check. Your motivations stay in, in the place of sonship before me. I'd like to suggest this, that when you live, when you learn to live with God in the secret place, you actually learn how to let your light shine before men. Uh, I, that scripture actually blows my, blows my mind, chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. How many of you have ever, have ever done good deeds, and after you did it, someone praised the Lord? I've only had that happen like two times in my entire life. Can I tell you something? I think we would see, I think we could be people who are visible and in the open, and I think God could get more glory out of it when we, if we learn how to do this stuff in the secret and hidden place. There's something, Jesus is actually giving us a key. He's highlighting a trap, and then he's, he's showing us the way out of the trap. Saying, man, let's don't be actors. Come, come to me, come to me, and let me, let me be, the, be the person that you're, that you're looking to. 
the hidden and the secret life can have a profound effect on the visible and seen life. I want to talk about approval for a second because that's what Jesus is actually talking about. He's talking about the motivation of our heart um, and where we, where we gather approval from and where we gather affirmation from. Um, if you've got kids, you know what I'm talking about. And if you are a kid or ever were, hopefully you can remember this. But I've got three kids, and my kids are always looking, more than any other thing, they're looking for one thing from me, and they're looking for my approval, always. Um, they were, they, I mean, I've been home a little bit more this week than normal, and they have been bouncing off the walls for days, which is normal. They've been bouncing off the walls for days, and, and, and the thing that I've heard more than any other thing this week is, hey, Dad, watch this. Do you all remember doing it? As a kid, do you guys remember? You know, finally, your parents would be like, give me a break. I've seen it. I don't care that you can jump off the couch. Just get out of my hair. Get out of it. You know, um, but that's all I've heard for the past four days is, hey, Dad, watch this. And you know, we were at Thanksgiving, and the kids did a puppet show. You know, and, and what's the puppet show about? Is, it about? is it about putting on a great show? No, it's about showing your mom and your dad that that you're great and and getting their approval see here's the deal there's something in the human heart it's looking for approval and it's in every single person in here and if you're not connected to that then you're just not even connected with your own humanity you you are looking for approval and for for affirmation from someone and it started when you were a kid I, i mean the my kids have been playing a really psycho game this week they've been playing this game where where Seth is a, uh, is, a, is a porcupine with rabies. And he goes to River's lawn and pees on it. And then River chases him and shoots him. And Magnolia takes him to the vet. It's actually crazier than it sounds. What's the, point of this, what's the point of this whole game? They're just trying to win my approval. The whole time they're playing this crazy stuff, they're saying, Dad, watch this. And Seth is, I mean, literally foaming out in the mouth. <laughs> sort of a side tangent here. Here's the deal. Seeking the Father's approval, that's the number one way that you enter into true kingdom childlikeness. See, a lot of times people have made kingdom childlikeness this. Act like an idiot. Or, you know, act like a five-year-old. Or act like an adolescent. Or be, be half goofy. or what. No, that's not it at all. Kingdom childlikeness, true kingdom childlikeness, is having a heart whose affirmation and approval comes from the Father alone. Here's the deal. To seek man's approval over and above God's is to push the presence of God right out the door. I want to read you a quote from a guy that I just love. His name is Dallas Willard. This is what Dallas Willard says about this. And he's talking about here uh, about seeking man's approval above seeking God's. He says, We may think that it is okay to avoid evil for fear of being seen, For in any case, we do avoid the evil. But that only shows that we have no respect for God and would disobey Him but for the opinions of others. That's pretty good, huh? See, to have have all of our affirmation and all of our approval come from a place of of trying to win the eye of man, it it just means that 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 we don't value the presence of God. And when we do that, we become the kind of people who have no respect for God and, they would, and would disobey him if it wasn't for the opinion of others. I've said this a couple times in the last two or three weeks. How many of you realize that if the only reason I don't beat my wife is because the law says don't beat your wife, it doesn't mean that I have a good marriage? You know what I mean? Yeah, if the only reason I don't beat my wife is because you guys would find out and get me in trouble and I would lose my job, if that's the only reason I don't beat my wife, how many of you realize I have a jacked up heart that hasn't really dealt with the root? 
It's about seeking the Father's approval. And there's something about secrecy that allows us, it affords us the opportunity to be the kind of person who, who gets their affirmation and their approval from the Father. I'll tell you another story. My son, River, he loves UK basketball. Can I tell you something? He wasn't born loving UK basketball. You know why he loves UK basketball? Because he loves me. And so I sat on the couch, and I've watched every UK basketball game possible. That it was, I mean, unless I was out of the country, which has happened and bugged me, and I was in Peru, and I'm trying to get the internet to work so that I can at least keep up with the scores. I'm, I'm that obsessed. But otherwise, I'm on the couch, and I'm watching the game, you know? And, um, and the reason that, that River loves UK basketball is because he loves me, and he's seen me on the couch, and so he knows that to be, number one, to be with dad, but not only that, but to win my father's approval, I can sit on the couch, and I could pretend to be into the game, and then my dad will like that. And then after a while, what happens? River actually starts to like the game. Now, this, is, this is actually a word from the Lord, okay? I hope you can see this. River and I, we share DNA, okay? River and I share DNA, but his choices and his desires were shaped by his desire for my approval. Well, that's a word. I can't even tell you how good this is. I don't care if I am the one saying it. This is, this is insight into how to, how to move forward in the kingdom. See, River and I, we share DNA. He's my son. Half of, his, half of who he is came from who I am. But his choices and his desires changed who he was, and they're based upon his, his desire to have my approval. Have you ever wondered why? Have you ever wondered? Have you ever read the scriptures and you and you and you read some passage? You read some passage like Second Corinthians five seventeen, and that passage says, "You know, you're a new creation." You ever wondered why you're a new creation with old creation habits? Anybody ever? Everybody? Anybody ever been frustrated with that reality? You read the scriptures. You go, "I'm," you know, the scripture says, "I'm a new creation," but dang it, most of my life feels like old creation. I don't, I mean, I feel, I have the same desires, I have the same weaknesses, I have the same potholes, I, I, I'm marred, it feels like I'm marred in the same pl- spots, but, but, you know, the scripture says that I'm not, it says I'm a new person, and here's what I want to tell you. Um, I want to tell you this, that, that being the kind of person you are, well, number one, you are a new creation, but the transition there from being a new creation and feeling like a new creation, and being changed into who you really are, that the secret to having your DNA and your actions match is this. It's becoming the kind of person who looks for approval in one place only, and that's from the Father. See, my son, he, he loves UK basketball. When he came out, he was, he was an eight-pound, I don't even know what, he was like eight pounds and eight ounces, and he was so cute, and and when he was little like that, he didn't love UK basketball, but he shared my DNA. See, he was, he, was, he was like me, but he wasn't like me. He became like me because he loved me and he sought my approval. And he got on the couch with me. And, and, and honestly, at the beginning, it wasn't even his fully, fully his choice to get on the couch with me. I'd be like, man, son, you know, because there's something about a dad. You just, you want your son to rejoice with the same team with you and hate the same team as you. You know, it's just, it's like, it would be the ultimate betrayal if my kids grew up and, and were Louisville fans. It would, it, would, it would cut me to the heart. There would be no worse thing. It would, it would be just the worst. Yeah, see, here's the deal. River was born and he was like me, but he wasn't fully like me yet. And the longer that he lives, the more like me he becomes. And he becomes like me in, to the extent that, he, he, that he's seeking my approval. And secrecy is a door into that new kind of heart. Secrecy is a door into that new kind of heart. And Jesus begins, and I want to tell you this, the order that he begins in, I believe it's no accident. Jesus begins 
with with giving and and here's the deal when um anytime anytime i've uh, encountered uh, the four the four disciplines that jesus talks about in this section giving prayer forgiveness and fasting anytime anytime i've encountered those four they're not always easy i'll just go ahead and tell you they're not always easy but i've always found that the door in for me the door into the other ones is always led with giving now this is this is something i've discovered just by trial and error, I have discovered that when Heather and I became the kind of people who genuinely wanted to be generous with everyone around us to the extent that we could and even to the extent that it crossed over from being like, here's the deal. I, I, Heather and I made a choice several years ago that we want to jump right out of wisdom if we can and we want to jump into radical generosity. Like if we have to make a choice between wisdom and generosity, we want to choose generosity because I just feel like that's where the Lord lives. And, and we, have, we have made that choice. When we made that choice to, to give ourselves to generosity and to giving and to blessing the poor and to doing it in secret and to being regular about it, I want to tell you this. The door to prayer, forgiveness, and fasting opened up my life in a new way. Some of you are like, man, I would, like, I would love to be able to, to, to fast uh, to, to be able to fast more and to give myself in that devotional way to the Lord and set myself apart and find him and all that stuff and you struggle and you struggle and I want to tell you sometimes you struggle because you haven't done the first thing first and I want to tell you one of the first things you do is you give yourself to being a generous kind of person do it in secrecy you win your father's approval not only do you win your father's approval but you win his reward today and it's not just some other time but there's a reward that can come today and so you begin to change and you become a new kind of person. Then Jesus goes on and he talks about prayer. And, and even look at, look at this. It's even in the Lord's Prayer. The prayer that he, that he teaches everybody to pray. The model prayer is what? Your kingdom come, your will be done, on the earth as it is in heaven. What's that about? It's about saying, Father, I want, I want what you want. I want what you want and I want it here. See, your heart's already beginning to change. There's something about secrecy that will change our prayer life to the point that, that our desires really become what his desires are. That's the true kingdom prayer, is when our, our desires become his desires, and our prayer life moves from, oh God, just bless me, make me rich and famous, and get rid of all my enemies, you know? This is legit prayer. I've prayed it. I'll still pray it. But there's, there's, but there's another level that, 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 that happens in prayer when we can get to the spot where, we, where my desires really are his desires, and I want them. I want the kingdom to come. And the, and the doorway into that kind of heart is through secrecy. Then Jesus talks about forgiveness. How many of y'all have ever realized that it's sometimes incredibly hard to forgive somebody who's wronged you? Wow. Huh? Yeah, come on. If you're not shaking your head, you're a liar. You're a liar, and you're lying in church before the Lord. He's here. Yeah, um, yeah. Forgiveness is sometimes very difficult, but here's the deal: the doorway into the doorway into forgiveness is the secret and hidden life with God. When you become the the the, uh, the kind of person who's devoted themselves to living a secret and a hidden life with God. You become the kind of person whose actual heart posture is, God, I just want your approval. When you become the kind of person who steps out of man's approval and steps into God's approval, you become the kind of person who can release someone who's wronged you. You weren't looking for their approval anyway. I'm living for my father. Furthermore, he's been the kind of person who forgave you even when you were a rebel. Here's the other thing. Every bit of this, Jesus modeled in his own life. Have you guys ever read the Gospels and wondered why Jesus would heal somebody? He'd heal them, and then he'd look around. I always imagine that he looks around. He goes, don't tell anybody. You ever, you ever wonder why Jesus said, don't tell anybody? No, listen, there's actually a lot of reasons why he told people, don't tell anybody, okay? Some of it was he just couldn't handle the crowds and he needed a break. But here's, here's one of the things that I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that Jesus himself lived such a submitted life to his own father that when, when someone would come to him and, and would get healing, he would tell them, don't tell anybody because he was wanting to step into the secret and hidden life and even his own heart was being filtered with secrecy. 
Then Jesus goes on and talks about fasting. And, and I don't think it's an accident. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they're fasting. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's an accident that Jesus is talking about fasting. And, he, and he's saying, man, the hypocrite, their fast is miserable. Let me put it this way. I would like to just suggest this. I would like to suggest that, the, that, that one of the reasons that, one, not the only reason, but one of the reasons that fasting can be such a grind and can be such misery is because we're actually doing it to gain someone else's approval other than God. That's a hard word. I know it is. But I'm convinced more and more that Jesus when he's talking about fasting, he's actually talking about that there's a possibility that you can wash your face, put a little oil on your, on your head, and you can go out the door and you can live in absolute joy even while you're denying yourself food, which is hard. Even while you're doing that, and you can live, you can, you can have a joy-filled Holy Spirit day that comes from your Father. Here's what Jesus said. This is stuff that just blows my brains. In John chapter 4, Jesus is with a woman at the well. Some of you guys remember this. Jesus is with the woman at the well. And while he's with her, he sends his disciples away to go get some food. He meets this woman. She gets him some water. The disciples come back and they say, well, hey, we got some food. And Jesus is like, dude, I don't need your food. I've got bread you guys don't even know about. Which is a little strange. They look around and they think, they think that someone else has given him bread or that he's gone into town himself and gotten some bread. He says, I don't need your food. I've got bread you guys don't even know about. Then he goes on to say something shocking. I think it's 23, verse 23 in chapter 4. He says, because my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Are you all seeing this? See, secrecy puts me in a place where I become the kind of person who is solely focused on what, what is going to gain my father's approval. When I gain my father's approval... I get the word. And when I get the word, it, I go out and I begin to apply and do the word. It becomes food for my body. And, not just, I'm not, and Jesus is not just talking like metaphysical and, and, and spiritual here. He's not just talking about like uh, you know, a pseudo-spiritual high where the, where, the, where the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you get a little goosebump, willy, pee chill. He, he's actually talking about when you become the kind of person who's, who has a hidden life in God and who, who has devoted themselves to secrecy at a certain level before God, when you become the kind of persons whose motivations are, are affirmed and approved by God alone, you become the kind of person who moves into a new realm where you have food that other people do not know about and your food is to do the will of the one who sent you and it ends up becoming, it becomes strength to your body. I'm talking about actual strength to your actual body even during a fast. When Jesus is talking about fasting, I think he's saying, man, you don't, have to be, you don't have to be utterly miserable. If you want to be miserable, if you want to be miserable, I'll, I, you know, I'll, I'll pay you the ultimate compliment of taking you seriously. Go ahead and be miserable. I think that's what, one of the things the Lord is saying. things and then we'll be done <clears throat> here at the beginning of chapter 6 as Jesus is walking us through this I want to just reiterate one thing here that he's not talking about more laws Jesus is not adding more rules okay we just can't hear that because if you hear that you'll apply it in a way that will actually take you right out of what he's talking about Jesus isn't talking about more laws he's talking about he's talking about spiritual disciplines if I can put it that way um how many of you have ever played sports? Any, most of us in here have played sports. Or how did you how did you go how did you go from first beginning to play sports to certain level of proficiency? You, you go from being a beginner to being somewhat proficient by practice. Am I right? And so and so when Jesus is talking about, hey man, there should be a part of your life, part of your prayer life that's secret. There should be a part of your giving life that's secret. There should be a part of your fasting life that's secret when he's when he's talking about that when you when you when you begin to take him seriously and take him at his word and apply it like that it's like taking batting practice 
it's like taking batting practice and, and pretty soon you move from you move from the place of cannot and you move into the place of proficiency in the spirit and when you do that you look back and you realize I'm doing the impossible Heather and I've had Heather and I've had times where where we would give we would be generous and our generosity would 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 pour over on some people and then I look back on it and I go I don't know how we paid our bills this month you know that's not possible how is that possible it's possible because 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 we just devoted ourselves into into one little area and we haven't done it perfect we we still have tons to learn but I just want to say that just like batting practice the next thing you know you're, you're hitting the ball you're making contact and you look back and you go I don't know how that's happening one more thing and we'll be done The word that the Lord gave me this morning uh, before, um, actually while I was over here, the word that the Lord gave me this morning was that, that, that we're to be people who live to incarnate his will. And, and that's the picture I got. We're to be people who live to incarnate his, world, his will. And, and what that means is, is, bringing, is bringing the unseen into the seen. And one of the, one of the key ways that we bring the unseen into the seen is through the hidden life and it's through secrecy. And, and we're called to be people who live, uh, we're called to be people who, who live from faith into reality. And, and one of the open doorways from, for living from faith into reality is, is the secret and the hidden life. Here's what I'd like to suggest before we do a little ministry this morning. Um, we're about to get real busy um, just because it's like the holidays and we'll all be going to granddaddy's house and nana's house and or maybe you'll be having your cousins over and they'll be shredding your house and leaving you with a mess. <clears throat> and we'll be cooking dinner for people. But here's what I'd like to suggest. I would like to suggest that the Lord would like us to just deal with him in the next month on a couple of these things and I would like to suggest that this church take take a day or two and uh, and to begin to just dialogue with the Lord and after that dialogue depending on what he depending on what he lays out for you begin to apply Matthew chapter 6 those first 18, first 18 verses into our life like right now we need to, and, and, and I think the prayer would go like this Lord how can I work a secret and hidden life with you into my life right now. Lord, do you want me to start with secret giving? God, do you want me to start with, with, with secret prayer? Do you want me to start with, with a secret fast? Do you want me, to, do you want me to, to just go and forgive somebody and then not go tell anybody else what a dirty, rotten SOB they are? I mean, what do you want me to do, Lord? And, and, and I, I honestly, I, I believe he'll, he'll, he'll lead you into that. And as he leads you into it, I believe you'll, get, you'll become a more affirmed person and, 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 the, and the anointing of son and daughter on you will increase, if I can say that. Amen? Amen. All right, if you're on the ministry team this morning, why don't you come on up? <clears throat> Everybody say hello to the ministry team. Hey, come on. It's good to have Amy back. Everybody say hi to Amy. She's been like, why whamming up in Pennsylvania or some stuff, right? Yeah. That's so good. Cool. Amy, do you have any words this morning? Have the microphone. Hi. Um, yep. Okay. Um, I got a word for... Maybe it's muted. I just talk loud. Okay. I got a word for hip pain. So if anybody has any sort of hip pain. Then I also got a word for um, socket. And I felt maybe um, dry socket, like that's something in the mouth, dry socket. Amy. Awesome. Adrian, 
Hang on, hang on. We got a microphone for you. I want to see you hold. Yeah, come on. Use that microphone. Just put it right up there in your mouth. It was on. Oh, I turned it off. Yeah. Technic. Yeah. This is why buttons are bad, okay? There you go. Sorry. Is that better? That's better. Okay, I saw like an image of a, a really, really small baby, like someone was holding it close to their chest. And I asked the Lord uh, what it meant. And I, I feel like it meant that if anyone who like really wants children, and it's just a desire of your heart, wow. uh, like we really want to pray for you guys wow, for sure. Come on. So, so come up if that's a desire of your heart. That's hysterical. Absolutely hysterical. The Lord is so good, I can't even believe it. Um, does anyone have a pain in their left calf? It's kind of towards the outside. Left calf outside? Anybody? Maybe a sports injury. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, the only other bit of ministry I feel like the Lord wants to do this morning, uh, I was in the shower this morning, and I was just praying for today, and I felt like the Lord said, I want, I want to bind up the brokenhearted, and I want to, I want to just show my favor to the disappointed, and I just feel like there's probably a person or two or eight or all of you, I don't know, uh, who have just experienced some significant disappointment, and, and the Lord would just like to, to touch that and give you his perspective on it, that'd be all right. Why don't we stand up?